0: Hello and welcome, everybody, to episode number 22. 22 is my favorite number, Sabina. (laughs) Um, Accountability part one. How are you today? (laughs)
1: I am doing great and super excited to talk about accountability because that is a big topic and it's such a critical one.
0: It sure is. Uh, We could be here for eight hours, (laughs) but we won't be. Don't worry. (laughs) I know. Um, (laughs) Right? Seriously, though, um, this is a topic that we could take in several directions and we could go really deep in each direction as well. So we are going to divide the topic into two separate podcasts. Um, Today, in part one, we're going to talk more philosophically about accountability and then in our next episode, we'll talk more about the practical application of accountability. Let's dive in. Some of the questions we often receive are, uh, how do I get my reps to show up to our development meetings? Or how do I get my reps to follow through on their commitments? How can I hold my reps accountable? I'm sure anybody who's listening has probably heard one of those three questions numerous times. Yep. (laughs) Yes. So to be honest, if there were easy solutions to these questions, we wouldn't even be here today. It would be, I think, so nice if there was a silver bullet, but there isn't. Uh, And in lieu of a silver bullet, we do have some ideas that are going to just help you think and approach accountability differently overall if you aren't already. Um, Sabina, in your experience, why do you think people want or need accountability so badly? Why is it important?
1: Because I think we aren't enough in and of ourselves to just think we're going to do something and go do it. I I feel like part of it is I have to tell people I'm going to do something so that I have to live up to my word. I think um, we want to be as good as our word. Mm -hmm. And I think we need a lot of people around us to help us do that. Yeah, And that's a big part of it for me anyway.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, with accountability comes progress and follow through and results, right? That's where growth comes from. Um, We wouldn't accomplish much without it. Right. We just wouldn't. Um, The truth is we are living in a results-obsessed world and we need peak performance, not just from ourselves, but from everyone around us to hit our targets, to hit our goals. Uh, And speaking of targets and goals, we're surrounded by overwhelming expectations every day. And the bar is just continually raised higher every day. My guess is that everyone listening has received some form of a new or increased expectation within the last few months, um, whether it's self-induced or from somebody else, right? Um, Here's the thing. Going it alone, whether as an activity coach, as an FR, as an MD, or even personally, like as a spouse, a parent, a friend, um, going it alone doesn't work. It's difficult to get everything accomplished through your own efforts, and we can't be the only oar in the water, right? As an activity coach, you can't be the only one. It takes a village. I've said that a bunch of times, right? It takes a village to raise a rep. Um, You need to pull your weight, your team, whether that's, you know, set, the tech coach, the mentors, they all need to pull their weight, and the reps need to pull their weight. Uh, So we've set the stage that the expectations are high that we can't be the only ore in the water and that we have to depend on those around us. So we know accountability is, is crucially important. Now, most of the writing on accountability talks about personal ownership. I was going to do like a little drum roll, like Mm -hmm. personal ownership. And I don't know (laughs) that that's really where everybody goes initially when they think about accountability, um, is to look internally to themselves first. So that's what we're going to talk about just for a minute or two. The good news is we know personal ownership is necessary. The bad news is it's very tricky, if not impossible, to manufacture ownership in other people, right? Um, Ownership isn't just about logic and intellect. If it was, we'd, everybody would do it. Um, you can con- you know, attempt to convince someone all day long why they should do something, but as the old saying goes, I can't care more about your success than you do. Sabina, anything, any thoughts on that?
1: Um, well, yes, I say that a lot too. Um, I can't care more than you do. I can believe more than you do, but not care. Mm. And I, I think... Um, because in, in any work I've done about accountability, I always love to look up dictionary definitions, and there's a, there's a million of them around accountability, mm-hmm. but almost all of them include the phrase, a willingness to accept responsibility for your own actions. Mm-hmm. And so that ties right into that ownership. You can't, you, you, you have to, to, to your point, you have to pull your weight. You yes. know, you, it, it's, a, it's a, I don't even know 50 50s right, but it, it is a mutual um, experience. I love accountability that. Yeah, is.
0: it's a mutual experience. Well said. Um, all right. So we've established that ownership is a key lever in accountability and ownership is not something you can control. It's earned, right? We can't control other people. We can't create that mm-hmm. um, ownership. Um, it's earned. That's, um, so anyway, I remember David Sheckman, many of you might know him, um, many years ago sharing this mm-hmm. analogy and it has stuck with me over the years. He said, think of accountability like an orchestra. And you're the maestro. It's your job to create a sense of harmony, right, from all of those people. It's your job to create a sense of Mm -hmm. harmony. And for this to happen, everyone has to work together. As the conductor or the leader, you are in control of pulling the strings from above, right, and directing, even though you aren't actually doing the playing. So while you don't have full ownership, you do have, another drum roll, influence, another key word, influence. So now we know we need um, personal ownership and we need influence. Um, As a leader, you need to be aware of what things you can and cannot control or influence. The idea is to create a team around you and an organization that creates the right conditions for ownership to take place so you can inspire and lead people in the right direction like the maestro um, or the conductor. Take some time to map out what is in your control and what isn't. So for example, things that are in your control. Number one, leading by example, right? Are you leading by example? Um, Providing training, ensuring clarity through clear expectations, helping the rep paint a picture of what success looks like, showing up prepared, building trust, um, recognizing people, listening to people, encouraging, inspiring. All of those things are in your control, which is actually pretty cool. And none of them have anything to do with hitting somebody over the head or actually doing it for them, right? Um, So really focusing on those (laughs) things that you can control. And then also knowing what's not in your control. That's equally important, right? Like you can't create somebody's why for them. Um, And you can't um, make them show up, right? You can't get them to the meetings. You can't do the work for them. You can't dial and prospect. All of those things are out of your control. Um, So we, we can spend a lot of time in frustration, racking our brains, trying to figure out why the heck they aren't following through, or we can put that energy into looking inward at the things that we know we can control. All right. Um, Absolutely. With that backdrop, let's talk about how you can approach accountability. I like to think of there being two different approaches. Not that you should do both of them. I feel like one is the better option. (laughs) But here are those two approaches that I have seen anyway (laughs) um, over the years. One is a farming approach. The other is a hunting approach. For the farming approach, visualize a garden. Rich with soil, right? That you can till, that you can water, that you can weed. Um, And the plants or the FRs are growing strong in that environment because the environment's healthy, right? For the hunting approach, think of like a hammer or unfortunately like a weapon, right? Like putting a weapon to somebody's head or hitting them over the head with the Granum stick, we like to say, but constantly telling them what they need to be doing and why. Um, Now, some aspects of this career do require the hunting approach dialing, prospecting, etc. Accountability is not one of them. Accountability requires a farming approach. Um, so similar to how farming isn't just about planting and harvesting, it's about how much sun, rain, wind and other factors that take place, accountability isn't just about systems. It's not just providing activity coaching, giving you know, having a client builder, or board of reviews and all of the other development venues that, venues that exist, it takes time, right? It requires many elements, water, sunlight, fertilizer, or in this case, when you're coaching, it may require trust, guidance, building a relationship, recognition, listening. Um, You can't just force it to grow. You've probably heard the expression, um, and I love this one, is accountability without relationship is harassment. That is a truth bomb right there. (laughs) And I know you've heard that one before, Sabina. It is.
1: Yep, it is. And you can, you know, I, if I can say one thing about that, you can harass people to success, but it's never permanent and it's never pleasant. You know, you can use that hammer approach, but you're not going to get long lasting results with it. Believe me, I, I learned from experience mm-hmm. that because as I um, have tried that approach and it's, it, it gets you short-term results, but they're usually fear-based and they don't last. Yeah. As soon as you take the hammer away, you know that that part is gone once the pressure
0: once the pressure is off yeah for sure Mm -hmm. Um, well I like to think of accountability really in three different realms Um, there's the systems part of accountability right so think of like training and skill building activity coaching client building board of review Mm -hmm. that's the systems part Um, The second realm of accountability is leadership. So your leadership, the leadership of your team. And the third one is culture and environment. Um, Like I said, if we had eight hours, we would dig into all of those today, but we don't. Um, So let's talk a little bit about um, leadership. That's the one that we're going to focus on, your leadership and the leadership of your team. So um, I think it's so important to know what drives you, right? What fires you up? Knowing your why might be the most influencing factor in how you impact others. And I know as coaches, and we've even done this on the podcast, we tell you, or we, we've demonstrated how important it is to ask the FR about their why right? Making sure that we're tying their why to Mm -hmm. their commitment. But, you know, if you're not demonstrating and leading by example with your why and incorporating that into conversations that you're having and demonstrating it, why should they, right? People don't care what you know until they know why you care. To me, that is like one of the best accountability quotes out there. People don't care what you know until they know why you care. Um, And that's why you sharing your why with them is equally as important. So a question for you is, are you clear on your why, and do you use it in leadership conversations with others? Um, Ask yourself, why do I do the important work that I do? What kind of impact am I trying to have? Why do I get out of bed every day, right? Why do I come to this office? Once you know this, you can then Mm -hmm. ask your FRs the same, right? Think about, oh, go ahead, Sabina.
1: I was just, it, it always makes me remember back to the early days of activity coaching myself when I originally thought my why was to keep people in the business, right? Like I have to constantly be Mm -hmm. talking people out of um, leaving the business when it gets tough. And I realized later on that really that it evolved over time to my why became, I want people to be better for having crossed paths with me than, than they would have been otherwise, whether they stay in the business or not. And Mm -hmm. so once I, once I became clear on that, my coaching, improve dramatically. So I, I say that just to reinforce, if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you've got to have, um, you have to, that has to be a deep, deeply ingrained part of you.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I guess as your coaching became more fun once you knew that too, right? That sounds like a lot of pressure to put on yourself, oh, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because you could let go of the results and it's not that you you don't ever want to talk people that's a whole different conversation but i'm just saying that's not your main job mm-hmm. right like i used to think that was 100% why i got out of bed in the morning to keep keep as many people in the business as possible yeah. um and once that changed um i enjoyed i enjoyed activity coaching a lot more because i could have a lot more open conversations too
0: yeah absolutely and the impact of that on accountability i think is huge right if people understand where you're coming from, and they're going to appreciate that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, They're going to understand your intentions and and so on. Um, So uh, sticking along the lines of you and your leadership, we talked about knowing your why. Equally important is living the values you expect of others, right? Um, There cannot be double standards in the work that you do. If you expect your reps to be on time, you need to be on time. Um, you know, if you don't want them to skip meetings, you can't skip meetings. If you don't want them to make excuses, don't make excuses. (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do does not work at the leadership level, especially if you're trying to grow an accountable culture, right? That
1: is the truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As a leader, you're under a microscope, right? More than anybody else. So the decisions and the choices that you make are magnified. Um, I think we have to remember that we think we're not, you know, that these are small little things, but under the magnifying glass, they really are big things.
1: They are. And I would just emphasize that you're modeling behavior all the time. Mm -hmm. They're always looking at you and how you conduct yourself, not just in your meetings, but what I like to call the the walk up and down the halls, the Mm -hmm. informal casual interactions. Are you, are you being a leader in those as well as when you are? in a formal setting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's mm-hmm. critical. That's what builds trust, right?
0: It really does. I was uh, facilitating an activity coaching clinic the other day and having a discussion with a team. And we were talking about the importance of posting and planning. And um, you know, I said, I'm sure you are all leading by example and you post regularly as well. And I kind of said it tongue in cheek. And of course, the response from the group was kind of like, <laughs> Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> um, right. So I think there's all sorts of different places we need to look to in our, you know, daily lives um, where we are demonstrating or maybe not demonstrating um, that we are living the values we expect of other. So think about where you struggle to align your actions with your intentions. Think about that for a second. Where do you struggle to align your actions with your intentions? What one behavioral change, um, something that you can do would have the greatest impact on improving your own personal accountability. I know for me, it's slowing down. I want each FR to feel like they have my full attention and that I'm present with them. And those are my intentions. However, I am a a self-professed multitasker and like most, I'm busy and I'm running from meeting to meeting. So I know I have to make an effort to really slow down and be more present-centered so that I can really listen to them. So if you're listening, ask yourself that question, where do I struggle to align my actions with my intentions? We talked a little bit about you and your leadership and the role that those play in accountability. Now let's talk a little bit about your team. So when looking at your team, in this case, I'm going to assume it's the development team, right? The, you know, set, the tech coach, all of the mentors, um, the D's, et cetera. There's really two components. There's trust and there's behavioral flexibility. So let's take trust first. Um, We've discussed the fact that you can't control people, right? And I love this. This has always been so powerful to me. In the absence of control, influence is the next best, right? The next best approach or the next best indicator. Mm -hmm. So in the absence of control, you have to influence. Um, What's one of the greatest influencers out there? Trust, right? Trust is a huge uh, way to influence people. Um, My guess is becoming a trusted advisor to their clients is a goal of most reps that I talk to, right? Like as a financial rep, you want to become a trusted advisor to your client, um, especially in the holistic planning world. My question for D's, right, and for mentors and others is, are you working um, as hard at becoming a trusted advisor to your rep as you are your client, right? I mean, are are you working to be that trusted advisor for them? Um, How are you building trust? It's not just given. Right? Trust is not just given. It's something that is earned. So how are you showing your reps that you care? And how are you showing them that you are, um, that your motives are genuine? Right? And the same goes for building trust leader to leader. Well, you know, I've, I've mentioned that, you know, we have to build our, uh, that this is about you and your leadership, but it's also about the leadership of the team. And it takes a village. So how are you building trust from, from leader to leader? When people trust you. They're going to ask for your advice. They're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They're going to respect you. They are going to accept and act on the recommendations you give. Don't expect any of those things if you don't have trust with them. By the way, um, those um, you know, when people trust you, that they'll ask for your advice, give you the benefit of the doubt, accept your recommendations. That comes from a uh, book around trust by David Meister. He does a lot of work in the space. He has several really good books, actually, um, if you're looking to build knowledge um, around trust building. So I want to give you an example of um, where this just, within the last couple of weeks... Um, This really lived out for me. I had a a couple coaching calls recently with an FR, and she was very offended by feedback that she'd gotten on several occasions from her managing director. Um, And it was very fair, honest feedback. Um, I was trying to figure out why she was so irritated because I I felt like it was accurate feedback and why she was pushing back so much. And the more I dug, I realized that she wasn't understanding his intentions at all. Um, she's only in her third month, and so I asked her how well she thought she knew her managing director, and she kind of sat there and looked at me funny, and I reminded her of the Abe Lincoln quote that is, I don't like that man. I must get to know him better, right? I don't like that man. I must get to know <laughs> him better. Yep. Yeah, and she just looked at me, and it was like the light bulb went on, and she said, you're totally right. She said there's no trust there yet. Um, it's hard to hold people accountable if they don't know you, if they don't trust you, if, you don't, if they don't understand mm-hmm. your intentions, right? So those, um, especially if you're an activity coach where the only interaction you have with the rep is 15 minutes at a time, twice a week, you've got to find a way to build some um, connections with them yeah. or it's going to be impossible to hold them accountable or to, to create an environment where they want to be accountable.
1: Absolutely. I, it reminds me of um, when we talk about the three questions um, that, that people have in their mind when they're getting to know you. It's, can I trust you? Mm-hmm. Do you care about me? Are you committed? Yeah. You know, and, and you want to imagine someone's asking those questions about you. How would you, can they trust you? Are you committed? Do you care about them? And once they, once they can, I think, fully answer those three questions, you're a long way toward um, having a bigger influence over them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, Let's finish with a few points on behavioral flexibility. Um, So, you know, we had had talked about um, trust and now we're going to talk about behavioral flexibility. It may seem obvious, but not everyone is the same. So let's start there. (laughs) I oftentimes think as coaches, right, we have a style and that style is comfortable to us. And then what do we do? We barf that style all over everybody. (laughs) Um, So just (laughs) sit sit on that for a minute, right? It may seem obvious, but everybody is not the same. Um, One of the keys to accountability is to have clear values and expectations, but to also have flexible approaches to those. Now, that doesn't mean you're making exceptions. It doesn't mean you're doing things differently for everybody. So what does that look like? A couple examples. So maybe the expectation is that everyone attends Monday morning reporting meeting, right? Um, but the flexible approach is, well, gosh, maybe they don't. it doesn't need to be at 7.30 every Monday morning or at 8 o'clock, right? Maybe we can actually get the same results if we hold it at 9 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon or whatever. It can still be a productive meeting. That's a show of a flexible approach, right, without wavering on expectations. Here's another one. We expect you to make 40 dials a day or 200 dials a week, right? Um, but If somebody wants to make 65 dials on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday versus 40 a day, are are you going to have a problem with that, right? No, I'm okay with that, right, especially if you're 25 ahead. But um, Mm -hmm. that's that flexibility of approach, right? That's the flexibility of approach. We don't have to be so rigid. Um, I love that um, this quote, um, amateurs are rigid, masters are flexible. Because rigidity is more about ego, like this is my way, right? We're going to do things my way. This is the way it's going to go. I'm better than you. Um, Where flexibility is more about getting results. I'm focused on getting the job done versus being right. Being flexible is not a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength in your values.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I was, I was going to say we have we get locked into to your first point there. We get locked into how we succeeded at something, and we assume that because we succeeded using the strategies that mm-hmm. we did that they would work for everyone, yeah. right? And yep. you see, you see a lot of that in the training when FRs um, do parts of the training that they teach the way they did it. But mm-hmm. if you don't have the same personality, if you don't have the same approach to things, that that particular thing is not going to work for you. So part of it is being able to read the room, also mm-hmm. and to your point, be flexible with each each individual that you coach might need something a little different.
0: Exactly. And to that point, I want to mention leadership styles. And this comes from Daniel Goleman's, it's called Daniel Goleman's Leadership Styles. But he says that there's typically three different leadership styles. One is my way or the highway. <laughs> so if there's no room for maneuver mm-hmm. the style's rigid, it's unbending, it's directive. Um, there is a place for this, right I mean sometimes we ha- when we have major issues right. that are on the line or there's legal concerns or minimum standards or ethical dilemmas you know there is a time and a place mm-hmm. for my way or the highway. Um, but then there is leading the charge. So this style leading the charge has clarity of purpose it has direction and focus and the style positions the leaders as the champion and first adopter. Best used, though, when you need to build belief, when you need to blaze a trail or clarify mission. So there's a place for leading the charge. And then the third style is let's talk this through. So in let's talk this through, there's an openness allowing for other people to share ideas, to create solutions. This is where that flexibility comes in, right? It's a more collaborative style, and it's best used when trust is high between all parties. Now, most people typically have a default style right? So even though we just shared three different leadership styles, there is a time and a place for all of them. Yet many people just fall into one style and that's what they stick with in all situations. And if you're trying to build an accountable culture, that's not going to work. If you're trying to build a relationship with somebody and build trust, you can't use my way or the highway all the time. Um, I often do Mm -hmm. uh, workshops around accountability and we dig into this space and I have people raise their hand, you know, which one is your go-to style? And the number of people. Usually men who have been around a while who know the business, <laughs> they kind of just say, like, no, it's my, this is, I've, I'm successful. I've done this. I've seen reps do this. This is the way to do it, my way or mm-hmm. the highway. Um, and by the time we go through all of the exercises, which obviously we don't have time to today, but by the time we go through that, they start to realize, like, ooh, okay, you know, there, there is a benefit to using different styles. So a question I have for you is, you know, what is your default style? What is the style you fall back to instinctively? How is that working for you, Um, and does it get in the way sometimes? If so, how? And then Mm -hmm. think about some of the most challenging people on your team, or maybe like one of the most challenging FRs you work with. What style have you tried in the past, and how did it work, and what were the results? And is there room potentially to try a different style with that person? Yep, I
1: think being flexible and adaptable is key, and it it makes me you think back to um, the old Seven Habits, um, Stephen Covey's. You know, mm-hmm. my favorite of those is to seek first to understand and then be understood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people need you. People want to feel understood and appreciated, and to the extent that you can lay that groundwork early, I think it makes a big difference to how how openly they listen to you.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, it's time for our. Say that that again. again. Again, again, again. Okie dokie. Here we go. Um, This say that again segment is somewhat hard um, in this case as accountability isn't really about one conversation, right? We're kind of pulling. (laughs) We're using one. One conversation is an example, but it's really about the compilation of, you know, listening, trust building, meaningful conversations that have taken place over a period of time. So just know that this is a snippet that can only take place because we'll assume that we've built a solid relationship already. Sound good? Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So, um, Sabina, I'll have you be a rep um, who has been consistently not hitting your commitment as of recent, Um, and we've just reviewed numbers and you've missed your commitment again. Okay? Okay. Okay. Um, Sabina, you and I have shared our whys with each other several times over the last six months, right? Um, and I think it's Mm -hmm, important, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, a level of importance, um, today to revisit this. Um, I think it's important to revisit as often as possible and even to try to lead with it every day. Um, you know, because you're experiencing how difficult this business is right now, that this business is way too hard to know or to not know why you want to show up every day. Right. Um, share with me your why, why are you doing the difficult work that you're doing every day? Um. Well, I want to. I want to
1: have a better lifestyle for my family. I want to have the freedom to, you know, go to all my kids' events. I want to be that parent that shows up for everything. Um. I also want to, you know, that's that's my why. Um. But when I look out into the marketplace, I want people to to do the right planning so that they have they have a better life going forward. They don't have to worry about money. Yeah. Um. So those are and if i had to pick <laughs> selfishly if i had to pick one of them i'd probably say i want to be the parent who shows up for everything yeah. i never want to miss anything that my kids do
0: and i i know just getting to know you over these last 6 months that's so hugely important to you right um, how would you say mm-hmm. you've been leading or demonstrating that why through your actions these last few weeks
1: oh i would say that i i'm not really sure <laughs> this has been a, it's been a crazy few weeks and i've you know i feel like i'm I'm like scraping the bottom of, of the barrel for some reason. Like I'm not really even sure. Um, you know, I just forget sometimes cause the business is so hard and I, mm-hmm. I just don't think about it as much as I probably should. Um, that's I mean, fair. Truthfully, sometimes I kind of think, oh my gosh, is this is this really even what I want to be doing?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, well, I yeah. appreciate you being honest about that. I truly believe we have to live the values, though, that we expect of others, right? I know I, I want my clients, and in yes. this moment, as I sit here with you, right, you um, are the FR that I'm coaching and, and mm-hmm. my client, really, right, to follow through on their commitments. And I do my best each day to show up and to do the same. So what are some of the values that, you, Sabina, expect from your clients or your family or those that you interact with each day?
1: So, you know, it's funny because one of them is, t- to your point, to, that they do what they say they're going to do. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so, and that's not been happening. Like, I feel like every time someone stands me up or cancels their appointment, I want to say to them, but you said you were going to do this, <laughs> you know, or someone um, doesn't take my recommendations, I'm like, but you said you were going to do this. And, and I, and I, um, so I do expect that from other people. And actually, I'm pretty hard on my kids when they don't do what they say they're going to do. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So How good would it feel if you a were...
1: disconnect right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. How good would it feel if you were leading by example, right? I mean, you're expecting your FRs to follow through, and yet, I don't know that you're demonstrating that as well as you could be. Yeah, yeah.
1: I know. Yeah. I know. And I, um, I used to tell them what my daily commitments were. And then they, you know, they'd all get home from school. They're like, you know, did you do your whatever today? And I've quit doing that um, because I haven't been hitting them. And so I feel like, you know, I, I'm a little embarrassed because I feel like I'm trying to hide that mm-hmm. I'm not living that out.
0: Well, I think you, you started to answer at least with one, uh, one response. My next question, which is where could you have more alignment? Where could you align your values with your actions in this space?
1: Well, I could not give up. When I, if I'm, you know, if I say I'm going to get five referrals, I don't quit when I get three. I I feel like I'm getting discouraged, and then I just think oh, I'll just I procrastinate. I'll just do better tomorrow. So I just need to, you know, remind myself that what I what people see me doing or not doing, you know, my clients, my kids, my peers, you, you know, mm-hmm. my character suffers. I think yeah for my for me and for the way people perceive me which i don't feel good about that i feel like i'm in this backwards loop yeah well that.
0: i believe in you i've seen you do it before i've seen you act you know where your um your actions were in alignment with your values so i think we just need to get that alignment back in place and i know we'll see great things from you again um, okay, at this point in the role play, this is where I would actually probably spend some time digging into helping her set up her environment, right? What are some actionable things we can do? Because mm-hmm. I believe that yeah. environment, and I know you do too, Sabina, is really important. And that mm-hmm. is going to be one of the focuses in our next episode, um, which is going to be accountability part two. As I mentioned, um, today we dove in with more of the philosophical high level focused on you as a leader. Um, next time we will focus more on some of the the practical application parts um, and and some execution ideas on how to make that play out in coaching. Sabina, anything else you would add as we wrap up?
1: Um, Nope. I, um, I think we've covered a ton of stuff today, so we'll just let that like sink in and then (laughs) I'm excited to get back to it next time and talk about, um, you know, specific things that people can do um, to enhance their understanding and, and, utilizing accountability strategies.
0: You got it. All right, thank you as always everybody for joining us. We hope you found value today and we look forward to having you join us next time. Thanks for joining us today for Activity Coaching Conversations with Heather. And Sabina. If you found value in this conversation,
1: please like, share, and leave a review in your favorite podcast app.
0: And to learn more about our activity coaching clinics and how to hone your skills, visit heatherpriceconsulting.com. Link is in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Keep learning and growing.